what determines my commitment, right? Does circumstance determine my commitment to the results, right? So if circumstance determines my commitment to the results, then when the tough times come or when the uncertainty reveals itself, I'm out. It's like, well, shit, it's, it's not, it's not fertile ground right now. So I'm out, I'm going to bail. And that's a really fragile way of being in your commitment or expecting it. This is what I was talking about earlier when I talked about entitlement is expecting it to be easy or smooth is like an entitlement way position of looking at this thing that I'm doing. I'm in as long as it's easy. Have there been any moments in the recent years that you thought to yourself, man, these are crazy times. If so, then this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down to talk about thriving and leading in uncertain times. We discuss the challenges of a founder and a leader when things feel like they're teetering on the balance of devastation, with banks collapsing, business leaders being canceled, and economic confusion like we've never seen before. Many feel uncertain. Towards the end of this conversation, we talk about what you can do as a leader in your organization, family, and community to thrive no matter the circumstances that surround you. If you're facing any of the following challenges, you'll get a ton out of this conversation. If you're fearful about where the economy is going and how it will affect your business and your team and your family. If you're revisiting your product, your ICP, or your goals because of a shift in your circumstances. Also, make sure you stay tuned as I get Dan and Adrian's hot takes on aliens and UFOs the 180-100 model of management, and their favorite places to travel outside of the U.S. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, it's so good to be with you today. Yes. Way to be Indeed. here. Indeed. So um, I wanted to start with this idea. Um, I love the quote, and I don't know who said it, but you know, part of the quote is, hard times make strong men. And definitely, I mean, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unease currently. I mean, a lot of that comes from, you know, what's what what currently the news chooses to show people and tell people. But then there's also been some very significant events. We talk about like the Silicon Valley Bank, you know, stuff like that. So there's a lot of unease as it as it comes to um, business owners and founders and um, so I wanted to talk about that. And I think it's interesting to adapt that that quote, like hard times make strong men. You could also say tough, t- tough times make strong or tough leaders or companies or can. Uh-huh. It seems that many are made or broken in uncertain times. You know, in, in preparation for this conversation, I started doing a lot of research about companies that were founded or that grew in times of uncertainty Uh and it's amazing it is amazing some of the companies that you start to think about that were either founded started because of something that was uncertain or even accelerated in times that were uncertain you think about companies like netflix and um groupon and you know just lots of companies that became monsters that took opportunities or saw opportunities in uncertain times. And I think each founder, if whether you're thinking about this time as uncertain for yourself, 
you're thinking about you know what's in store for the economy, what's in store for the market, what's in store for your company. I think every founder in common would want to be one of those that thrives in an uncertain time. And so I wanted to have this conversation with you about, you know, there's, you know, so many things that we were, if we were economists, we could talk about what kind of products and all of that stuff could do well in a recession, or we could talk about how to short sell your stocks or how to, you know, buy your real estate out of foreclosure and all of those, um, which would be, you know, things to do. But I think this is an interesting conversation to have amongst ourselves as, as a founder, as a leader who must we become in order to thrive in times of uncertainty? And Dan, you said somewhat jokingly, but not jokingly, you know, every day, every day is uncertain. Yeah. Well, you don't know what's going to happen. I have an intention, but I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen in the day. But that quote is, you know, you're right. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create Weak men. weak men. Weak men create hard times. Yep. And I think that's the key. I mean, we're in hard times because we have weak men or women, mankind. Yep. Uh, in, in power. And, you know, I was reading the other day uh, one of the statistics that was uh, released by the World Economic Forum. And it said that it's approximately $1.5 trillion a year in corruption in the world. So you know it's far more than that. But corruption is responsible for about a $1.5 trillion in losses or disappear, et cetera, corruption. Uh-huh. That's a big issue. That's a big yeah. problem. And and and, and, that's how, a, and how do we get clear about corruption doesn't it is isn't what the source of corruption is greed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, greed and which is survival. Like greed you know, I, is, I'm going to take care of me. I don't care about you. I will get what I'm going to get. So the survival mindset generates greed, which generates corruption. And when we look at something that large, it really, I think, starts at home, right? It starts, you know, the old saying that integrity is what you do when you're on your own. You know, how honest are you willing to be about what's going on? And all of us know our foibles there, but I think really... We're talking about an issue of character, and that's a big part of leadership is having the character to be honest enough, be fair, you know, like fair in the sense that just, if you do a just day's work, if you, you know, you produce something, you ought to be paid for it. Yeah. And and if some, you know, like when we're in the middle of a breakdown, how am I willing to be with you the way I'd want you to be with me? And do I give you the same breaks I would want you to give me? Like, do I listen to you as generously as I, am I willing to consider your point of view as valid as mine, just to understand your point of view? Those are things I wrestle with on a regular basis every day. Yeah. Right. Well, let's set this up. The challenge often is in, you know, let's, let's look at, let's take a look at who doesn't thrive in uncertain times first before we thrive into the way of being and well, the way of thinking. Let's look at what, what it means thrive. to be in uncertain times. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, let's start with, you can start with education. You know, yeah. People, it's uncertain what your child's going to be taught in school. It's uncertain that you'll even get to look at it. It's uncertain uh, that the teacher that your child gets is willing to consider them as 
equally in the room as every other kid. It's uncertain that, um, you know, when your your child comes home from school, that they're going to make it home. You know, they're, they're, I mean, after all, we just talked about school shootings. So they, if you, and you go right into business, same thing. It's uncertain that the bank's going to be, you're going to be able to get your money out of the bank when it's in there. <laughs> you know, it's uncertain. And how much do you know about that? Like when you just sign a contract with the bank, do you understand the terms? Sure. I mean, we 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 can go right down. The government is is are the are the people in government going to do what they said they're going to do? The the yeah. legal system. Are you going to get? Is is the law going to be equally applied to you, or is it going to be appro- applied according to some standards that you don't fit into? I mean, there's enough uncertainty. I mean, we could go from domain to domain to domain. So, what do you do? How do you live? You know, like, let's, if you just sat with it, what's the experience like? You know, the not the number of dollars that have been withdrawn from the bank over the last three weeks are astronomical. Uh-huh. And it's a sign of the uncertainty. Uh-huh. Right? So it just kind of gives you the mood of the uncertainty. Uh-huh. People are not spending like they used to. Uh-huh. You know? It's it's interesting to me, Dan, as I hear you talk about this, and it, it's just becoming clear for me, is that when when we're not in times of uncertainty, and and I'm saying that like there's like somebody who labels this time and this then bad things happen at this time. I get I uh, totally agree and see what you're saying is like every moment is a moment of uncertainty when we're not feeling it. That experience to me is entitlement. Well, right. That because or, I, yeah, fear could be entitlement. Fear. I mean, people don't want to see. Sure. I mean, I want to bury my head because there's too much to see, and so now how do I, how do I live a life? Maybe if I just don't look, I don't feel it, and and but then I, oh, you know, things fail slowly. Then all of a sudden, and when they fail, all of a sudden, how how often do you find yourself going, wow, I didn't even see that coming. Sure. Yeah. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are. It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. 
Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. I mean, I was, uh, when you were doing the intro chat, I was thinking about like, you know, the assumption here is that people want to thrive in uncertain times. I'm not sure that's a fair assumption. Um, not that you're wrong about it. I'm just thinking like there is a whole different, it's very distinct, like deciding to operate uh, and lead in times that seem certain than times that really are really clear that it's uncertain. And I mean, uncertain times in the business context, if we're talking about that, like there's times when we're like, everything's working and it seems certain, right? I.e. we have momentum, history's on our side, you know, decisions we made yesterday are on our side. It's all working. And we have a sense of ease because we're being carried by yesterday's decisions. Dot com boom, baby. Dot com boom, you know, or somebody just got funding, for example. It's like, oh, we got money in the bank. And so it's like, it just feels like there's some certainty that's played out in front of us. Like the next X amount of months, we've got enough run rate and we've got some certainty here. And there are, and then there's a very different, very distinct experience then when I know how bad it is and I know how challenging it is. And I know the team's all over the place and I know people are looking, you know, uh, looking for other jobs and I've heard it maybe, or I've seen it, or I'm in conversations and that's really uncertain times. And do I want to, as a leader, if I'm listening to this, like, am I the type of person? Like, do I come from a place that says, Hey, if it's uncertain, I head right at it. Yeah. Or am I naturally looking for the bunker? I mean, I think that's like, I, I think most of us as humans, I mean, with our survivalist mindset would, would rather, I know this guy talking, a lot of times in my life, I look around right now, there's like complexity and I'd rather look for the bunker. How, where do I go hide and wait for the storm to pass? Yeah. And yeah. Well, you know, when I, I was thinking about what you said about there, the times are uncertain. If you want to say that really people are uncertain about the times. And that's because I think the ideals that the society, our society, Western society has been built on are coming under scrutiny in a million different ways. And so when you can't anticipate what used to work, like the ideal, like you may not fit the ideal, but the ideal is what, there's a certain ideal that the society has been built on. You can take it like in the, fa- like society is built on the idea of the heterosexual family and and producing. And then there's, you have that ideal, uh, and then you have the you have the fringes of the idea, and the fringes have been excluded for many many years, and so now, instead of trying to get them to f- to find a way to include people, uh, you, the overreaction is to try to make the fringes the the ideal, which then shatters the ideal, which produces a sense of uncertainty. We tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so I think that that produces uncertainty, and that that can be worked down into so many different formats. I mean, so many different domains, from the family to law and order to education. When you when you lose the ideal, you have to recreate an ideal, and that is a challenge. And this isn't the first time it's happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, it happened 
during the Renaissance, right before the Renaissance, you know, when you start to disintermediate, I mean, there's multiple times in history that's happened, but when you start to challenge and question the ideal, and it needs to be questioned, obviously, but how do you do that in a way that opens up possibility and not, you know, there's going to be some deconstruction. What are you going to reconstruct? How how do you, how do you, if you villainize, like there's usually, there's the very creative folks, and then there's the conservative folks who want to keep tradition. You need both. And then you've got to have free speech to mediate the two. And free speech is uncomfortable. There's lots of tension in it. And so if the if the ideal becomes happiness, anytime you're not happy, you something's wrong. Something's wrong. So you don't engage with what's there, and that yeah. un, that degenerates the conversation. And the more it degenerates, well, the more it starts to get uncertain because people don't know what other people are going to do when what they used to count on is undermined. What are they going to do if they have no alternative? Yeah. And it becomes it, every man for himself eventually. I mean, there's a handful of conversations here. I don't know if I can be articulate about it, but, you know, there are, <clears throat> I always wonder where people are focused. So uh, at some point, let me see if I can describe this. That was what's in my head. Like I say, maybe, maybe perception, maybe uh, dignity or agency happens in, uh, in concentric circles. So, you know, if I'm focused on the furthest circle from me, like, are we going to get to keep living on Earth? Like, people that are really fascinated by, focused on, let's say, climate change, for example. Okay. It's 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 a very far out there conversation, i.e., will life keep happening on Earth, and do we have to go to Mars, and what happens, and when is the whole thing going to die, and blah, blah, blah. All that to say is, I'm not making a conversation about climate change, I'm just talking about how far it is from the individual. And right. then things start to come back, and then we moved it back into a what's happening in America com- or the West or the West conversation. And then we move back into what's happening in America, and then we move back into what's happening in our state, and we move back into what's happening around us, and what's happening on our neighborhood, and what's happening in our, and you know, and then company happens somewhere around there, like the people that are closest to us, like the thousand people that are nearest to us, and then back into our family, and then back to ourselves at some now, what stage. Do you, what do you think the concern is? for people, for us as human beings in those discussions? Well, I think... There's the central. As I'm thinking about uncertainty, I'm thinking about, and maybe I'm too far ahead of us in this conversation already, but I'm talking about how to generate certainty in the context of uncertainty or how to... What I'm asking is, what do you think the uncertainty is centered? Like, I think think there's a key, there's a fundamental, there's fundamental issue that produces uncertainty. And what do you think do, that is? I think it's the un, the distribution of resources that keep us alive. I think that's what we're constantly concerned with. Yeah. That we're constantly concerned with, is there going to be enough for tomorrow? Is there going to be enough love, enough relationship, enough food, enough water, enough security that I can live tomorrow? That I can, uh-huh. you know, the, the our brains around solving that issue. And there is a big problem with the equitable distribution of resource on the in in on the planet. Period. Has always been not only just with human race but 
with, with the human race, but with every biological, you know, li- living be- thing system. Yeah, system. They're cons- that's what that's what the system's built around. How right. to get resource and distribute it. Yep. And I th- I think that's that's part. Of, that's why when you create a when you create a an ideal, the ideal is usually created because it, it it distributes resource to the largest number of people at the most effective way, in the most effective way with the biggest benefit for all. That's the most ideal system, but but not all that not all system no no system is perfect, right? So they're all going to break it down. The question is, which ones are going to be most effective for the human beings? Let's say in the United States, we start there, and or on the world in in the planet, right? I I'm with you on the, you know the, the uh, environmental issues are are mm. far from the individual until they. Like I was just listening today to a a biologist talk about the what's happening in the oceans with the decomposition of plastics and how they're in micro form, like it's getting down to micro form. It's actually polluting fish life and and. And that's a pretty big problem. Nobody's talking about. It. He calls it. It's a water smog. He calls it. Makes that, sense. That's affecting fish life. It's really interesting. I, oh. I thought, wow. Now that brought it close to home, right? Because fish are a resource, and the ocean and are tasty. Yeah. So now, oh my God, now I'm feeling that because that's food. <laughs> yeah. Damn it! I want some branzino tonight. Can that's I have right. that? And, and I'm eating plastic when I eat my plant branzino. Well, I, 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 to to get to to keep us connected to the to the I guess maybe the prompt here is I'm thinking about what's the what's the issue with uncertainty because because I, I think Dan started there naturally we all start here naturally as we do in our framework is like uncertainty is all around us even mm-hmm. most of the time what we even claim as certainty isn't as certain as we wish we would like we have a a glorified view of it to, in order usually to kind of help ourselves not like, you know, go put a bullet in our head or something. It's really uncertain, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. if we really took it in I'm about how, you, I'm with you. I yeah. about, no, I... about how uncertain everything really is. I mean, I, I'm about to come to tears right now. I just, you know, I just went and hugged my kids at camp today. And I, I, I like, and Charlie said, would you stay? Would you stay longer? Sure. I'll stay longer. And she's hugging onto me and I'm like feeling as, as alive as I could ever be. And she could be hit by a car. Yeah. This yeah. afternoon. She could die. And or I would. She could fall on her. Or, right. Yes. Uh-huh. And so. So what's the deal with uncertainty? The deal with un- the, uh, the experience of uncertainty is really what we're talking about. Yeah. I think. Is the experience of uncertainty. Now, what generates that? Is it going to be my relationship with uncertainty? Right. And that's why I'm naturally thinking about this as I'm just kind of building a world here or, you know, whatever. Um, thinking about what happens <clears throat> when I'm overcome by uncertainty, I'm probably focusing my attention beyond what I have control over. Like there's a level of, there's a level of complexity and uncertainty that I actually like if I'm sitting here bitching about politics but I'm not involved in politics, I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, there's a, it's a great distraction, right? To right. put our attention on the things that we can't control and jump on Facebook and argue about them and blah 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 blah. It's a great distraction for us to not take action in our lives on what we can. Right on. What we can affect. Right on. I was just t- talking with the client this morning. I've um, been thinking about him, 
and he's a part of an organization, not the leader of an organization. So kind of unique for a client that I'm talking to. And I usually don't like it for a handful of reasons. Um, but his boss, there's a lot of his, his boss, I was joking with him. I was saying, hey, why don't you stop being so surprised that your boss keeps showing up that way? <laughs> because people are pattern machines. And so your boss likes it this way. He's pretty convoluted. He's not clear. And I said, well, what would it take? You know, and what, what it would take is for his boss to leave the bunker of uncertainty, like that, that the organization itself is the way it is. And you'd have to stand up and say, Hey guys, here's what works in the organization moving forward. Here's where we got here. First off, here's where we are right now. Here's how bad it is. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. And it's on me. And now moving forward, it's going to be like this. And here's how I'm going to be. I'm going to be like this, and therefore we are going to be like this. And if you don't like this, wonderful, there's the door. Or if, you, or if you're or if you going to actually want to live by these principles, then you can stay. It's going to be great. And it's like if we don't operate out of a sense, out of a clear sense of principles, what we have left is the chaos of personality. And yeah. if we live in this hyper-political conversation which is is which and you know and we are these days especially in the news um and in the influencer world it's really about which personalities are we following instead of what principles are guiding our thinking and our being uh-huh. yeah and like the uncertainty is who's saying what makes sense today instead of what principles are guiding us moving forward and so we don't have a sense of being I mean, everything for us is probably going to come back to some kind of conversation about who the hell am I in the context of uncertainty. Yeah, well, mine is more well, like, where do I stand? Right yeah, on. Yeah, where's my commitment? Where do right I on. stand? I, you know, and what can I influence? Well, I can influence right my on. family and my immediate community. Now, what influence am I committed to? And it doesn't matter what happens at the larger level, because if I'm clear about what I'm standing for, then every circumstance becomes a provision, even right the on. most tragic ones. But yes, somebody with a vision or a stand is never held hostage by a circumstance. No, because the 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 stand or the aim contextualizes the circumstance. Right. And to train to you know educate oneself and one's family in that is to I think to me is it's kind of a Greek notion I guess to bring up citizens, people who are willing to stand for what matters to them and create right. agreement around that. And that will make a difference. Yes. It's when, it's when I think where it starts to really degenerate is when I feel like I have to stop you from standing for what you stand for. Right. Uh, like my stand becomes a reaction to you rather right. than a stand for how do we get this, how do we work this out together? Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other thing I thought about, Dan, is, is, as I think is a different angle of that same idea, is like, what, what determines my commitment, right? Does circumstance determine my commitment to the results, right? So if, if circumstance determines my commitment to the results, then when the tough times come or when the uncertainty reveals itself, I'm out. I'm no longer creative. I'm no longer looking for solutions or possibilities or connection. It's like, well, shit, it's, it's, not, it's not fertile ground right now. So I'm out. I'm going to bail. And that's a really fragile way really fragile. Of, of being in your commitment 
or non-commitment, if that's if you uh-huh. want to put it that way, right? So I think um, you know this wanting it or expecting it. This is what I was talking about earlier when I talked about entitlement: is expecting it to be easy or smooth. Yeah, is like yeah. an entitlement way position of looking at this thing yes. that I'm doing. I'm in as long as it's easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what this is. This is uh, I feel this so deeply with people that I get to work with. And this is why, you know, I love what I get to do and what, you know, we love what we get to do because it's such a crux. Like people have a sense of what would be meaningful for their lives and what would make it worth it. And there's a whole bunch of things out there to define what that is, but whatever that is. And then they go do it and they take a leap and they piss their pants in the middle of it. You know, it's like, no, no. If I go skydiving, I will be scared. That's what's happening. I will regret the notion while I'm falling. This is what hard feels like. I've signed up for something really quote unquote hard. This is what hard feels like. I don't know who the hell I am. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what's going to work. I don't know what to do next. I don't, yeah, I don't know all that shit. And it's like, we resist the experience of risk and uncertainty equals risk instead of, uh, instead of adopting it. Yes. This is how it ought to feel like if I decide to take a stand in the midst of uncertainty and decide to order the chaos and, and release beauty as Dan says. You know, yes. it's like if I'm doing that, it will, I am inviting adversity. That is what I'm inviting. Otherwise, yeah. I just yeah. go back to my monotonous type of living and just whatever, pick up a little woodworking hobby and just make it have a little shed and go hide out there or do what matters to me. And I will be inviting adversity in my life. And that only that... works if the wood's always easy to get, Adrian. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sons of bitches. I just want to have a wood shop. And when you can't get me my cedar planks on time. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it, it's very like it's Seneca, right? Seneca teaches. It's like expect it to be hard. Yeah. Expect the challenge. Yes. That is life. And I think yes. that's the only way that we thrive in uns- uncertain times. It's the only way we thrive anytime is to expect this to be difficult yes yes well how you know i i joke a lot of times whenever like something's going shitty and i say to myself uh, and uh, it's others of the around me oh this is resiliency training yeah it's not working it's not working this is resiliency training this is great oh fuck that's hard i took five more steps than i thought it would be oh thank god because I want to be, I mean, how resilient, I mean, as you're the leader listening to this, how have you decided how resilient you want to be? Uh, or do you just want to like, you know, catch the wave? Yeah. Well, do you want to that- live like that? I mean, that's what's quite at effect of circumstances. Or, you know, I mean, we talk about all the time this Harrison assessment. And that's something I'm always looking at when I'm, when I am in the midst of deciding whether to work with somebody. How much do they want to take on a challenge? There's a, you know, once a and challenge what's their is, perseverance a, is a perseverance level. What's that's right. Pers- that's right. Once a challenge is such a big deal, if I don't want a challenge, I really don't want success. Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I want the fruit of success. I just don't want to cultivate the soil, buy all the implements, 
do all the work to, to, to you know, <laughs> do right. all the, 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 yeah, do the, you know, the, the 15 steps before the 16th step. I just want 16 instead of one through 15. And then I happen to get 16. You know, I think it's, it's kind of the critique about the younger generations these days is they want results without the hard work. And the other side can also be argued is like sometimes people are just committed to the monotony and actually don't want this work-life integration conversation. But there is, back to your point, Chad, there's like entitlement that it ought not be this hard. And other yeah. people ought not be like themselves. They ought to just be like me. Well, that's it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, yep. That's going to shake out in the next few years because it's going to get hard. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you haven't sown meaning into your life, if you haven't really aimed at something that's valuable to you, it'll be difficult to get back up when you get knocked down. I think yeah. the more you give, and you think about the irony of it, you have to risk to sow, right? Because I'm putting the seed in the ground, believing that the fruit's coming in so many days, weeks, months, years. So I sow into my marriage, you know, and how many times when, when it's going well, when I work, when I'm well in my marriage, I keep an open hand even when I'm mistreated because I'm uh -huh. sowing for the future. And right I on. don't know when that return's coming. I don't. Yep. And, and when I have a difficult conversation and we go to bed, you know, kind of raw with each other and sleep in, and then get up and try again yeah. in the morning, you don't know what that's going to lead to. Yep. And we have a partnership meeting and things are tough and we have to make cuts and we don't know who's going to stick around or whatever. Those are hard conversations, but have I sown enough meaning into the relationship where it's worth having that conversation? Like yeah. I've, really, I've really thought about who I want to work with, why I'm working with them, what we're up together, what that means to me, how that yep. breaks down into very small pieces because when I've lost it, I've lost it because I've lost that chain of value. I've, yeah. I've aimed, I started aiming at my own greed, my own get by, my you know, yep. take care of Dan, take care of number one. That's yep. when the meaning starts to unravel. Yeah. I mean, for and those little good. No, I was just going to say the whole idea that you, you said it earlier. When the shit hits the fan, do you climb into your cave or do you turn towards your team? Do you turn towards your family? You turn yep. towards your community to see yep. what you can do, and uh -huh. that's what the seals are looking for. Then, and you know that in the the great seal, that's leadership. Leadership is if you turn towards the group and you've really worked with the group, you're not going to have to talk about it. People are going to know when to lead and when to follow. They're going to fall in order because they're committed to the same thing, and they're paying attention and aware of who's with them and where they're at. Yeah. So, well, I'm prepping. You guys know this, listeners might not, but I'm prepping. There's a guy right now who's a platoon commander for SEAL Team 3 that I'm coaching, and he's 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 going up for SEAL Team 6, and he's going into the, the, the already passed the first round, about to be in the second round. And it's all very fascinating and very fun. I love to have these conversations with this guy. And, but that we were talking about when the, a part of, part of the, the challenge that's coming up is they're going to give him 20 minutes, they're going to give him a lot of scenarios. And he's got 20 minutes to put together a tactical plan. And wow. he's got, he's, yes, yeah, man, I know. I'm like, can I come, please? Can Wait, I please go. be there? Can I, can I <laughs> please be there? I've, just to watch, man, shit. I yeah. just, anyway, it's so much fun. Um, there's a leader that's there that is, there is a resource for him. And he can, a lot of guys, 
uh, overuse their resource and they show their own unwillingness to have an opinion. And so out of their own insecurity, they like defer, if you will, to the to the, the top dog that's there, but then they show themselves they're unwilling to stand, right? Unwilling to like put themselves out there. Some of them on the other side, hyper certainty, don't use the resource at all. And it, what that points out, I think, and part of the crux here is, is at the, no matter what the circumstances are, you always have your own presence. Yeah. No matter what they are. And that's really when you've got a, a, a team, an organization that is going through a time that's uncertain, uh, explicit time that's uncertain. As a leader, you have an opportunity to realize that no matter what is happening circumstantially, who I am in the face of the circumstances is your most powerful tool. Out of that will come all the speaking, all the asking, all the exploration, all the conversation. Out of that will come all the activity all the focus, like, you know, cause you, you might not have, you might've been doing 10 things and now it's time to do one. Uh-huh. You know, I was just in a conversation with a guy yesterday who's got this business and he's been not focusing on that because he's been growing other businesses. He's got three, four or five. And this one, so the one that he's had for a long time, he used to do it himself. They pulled together this group and then his two top dogs are quitting. They're going somewhere else. And I, I'm on the call with this guy, and he's resilient. He's, like, always on on point. I look at him, and I'm like, what's wrong, man? He looked like somebody had just killed his dog. You know, it was bad. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? He was telling me all this stuff that's happening. And I said, well, you got some options, don't you? So, you could, you know, we explored. You could play this whole thing out. You can, like, lay down and let this thing happen. Or you can decide to go all in for a month. What would that, just explore for a minute. What would going all in for a month look like? And we explored that for just a second about what he could do, what he as a person could choose to do today to go turn this thing around. And you know what? He said, I'm off this call. I got to go. I'm going to go do all that right now. Now, what was that? Is all of a sudden he decided that he, if he got his own, stopped feeling sorry for himself about the betrayal. Stopped he saw a new sorry. possibility. He saw yeah. a new possibility. It's like, oh, shit. I am the despair that this looks like. And they're like, no, 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 no. Let me summon myself to the surface as if I'm somebody that matters. I've got to decide that for myself. And I'm going to go stand in there. And if I go after it for a month unrelentingly, what new can happen? And a lot of shit ton stuff can happen if I decide to go be be distinct in the context of uncertainty. It was really empowering. I, I this guy, he talks to me every call all the way up to the hour. As we got to this point, 32 minutes in, he's like, I got to go, man. I like, there was like no other, he didn't want to talk to me I anymore, which I'm like, get out of here. Go, get out of here. That's when you know you did your job. That's when you know you did your job. It was great. It's, it, I just want to uh, point out, like be explicit about the change um, or the the transformation of his relationship with the uncertainty yes. in that moment. And then, you know, we talk about transformation happening in a moment. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It's a decision and a choice to reframe something in a way that you can be with it. However you want to be with it, you choose. That's right. Right. And that's such a good, that's such a a tangible example of like, I I can't even be on this call anymore because I know what I got to go be doing this moment in order to relate to this thing the way that I want to relate to it. So peace out. I've, I'm on a mission. I've got a name. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's beautiful. This is, this has been fantastic. I love this conversation, gentlemen. Thank you. Can we do a couple hot takes? Let's sure. Do let's it. do it.
All right, let's go. All right, first one. The existence of aliens and UFOs. 100%. Though I don't know. I, I think it probably... Yeah. I'm probably with Adrian, yeah. Okay, great. I just don't want to meet one right away. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this this uh, Instagram reel, and it's a it's a Latino family, and it's their way out in the wilderness, and they're taking pictures, and it looks like real. They're they're with aliens, and they're like passing this off as this really happened. I'm like, maybe it did. They yeah. look pretty real. <laughs> yeah, all that AI photography now. That's right. Maybe maybe people really are meeting aliens, and we wouldn't even know it. We'd That's be like, oh, you're just creating that with AI. I just think That's the chances great. of it not being true are crazy. Right. Yeah, the chance of it not being true are crazy. And uh, if it's been true, I mean, all the, the government cover-ups, I just I tend to believe the government covers shit up. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, William Casey, the guy, the CIA, said when the, when the American people believe every, everything that's not true, we've done our job. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of quote is that, anyway? All of that, all of the crazy sightings down by San Diego, San Diego is, some of those stories are wild. Yeah. yeah. Independently, what was yeah. Well, even the, the the DOD put out all that film. I don't know. I forget now all the context around it. But like, that's the look. I mean, people can make up anything these days. But she's seems crazy. Been going seems on crazy. since nineteen forty five, pretty consistently. Yep. All right. So um, there's a model called the hundred eighty hundred model. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's something that Lowe's implemented like Lowe's Home Improvement with their employees. And there's been a few other larger corporations that have incorporated it. And what it is, is it's a hundred percent, you get a hundred percent of your pay for 80% of the time worked as long as a hundred percent of your responsibilities are taken care of. Just wanted to hear your reaction to that. hundred percent of pay for 80% of the work as long as hundred percent of time. 80% of the time. So you can work 80% of your t- hours as long wow. as 100% of your responsibilities are taken care of. Well, that's great. I, I, I mean, I, I would like advocate I, I would advocate I would, for, go ahead. Yeah, I'd, I'd say whatever. It'd be 150, 100, as long as give me the 100% results, I, I'll learn from you. Go. That's, ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, take the 80 down to whatever. I, I, and that ought to be <laughs> celebrated. That ought to be celebrated. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a way in right. which you ought to think about you getting your stuff done. I mean, there's there's let me put a caveat in here. Collaboration is essential. So as far as like presence and availability, so that you're a resource to other people, that needs to be played with about how to make sure people have access to you. Um, as as an influential person, as somebody that might hold you know institutional knowledge or 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 market knowledge or whatever it is, so. Some probably threshold there, of, or, or like around availability. But otherwise, man, if it was like 110, 100, let's all go to the beach. Let's get our shit done and go have a ball. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> we got to do that, by the way. Sounds great. Yeah. Don't get any uh, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. Don't get any ideas. Great for everybody but us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final final topic. Favorite place to travel outside of the U.S. and why? Um, well, go. Um, 
Where has it? I mean, I just got back from Mexico. I've never been like a Mexico guy, and like that haven't habitually been there, gone there. Um, but went to a really amazing place just last month with Allie for a birthday, and it was beautiful. Um, I have loved, you know, any time I've spent in Europe, I've really loved. Um, you know, I studied. I was like the nerd ball in my school. So for those those listening, I grew up in a town of eight thousand people. They do. They did teach foreign languages, um, but ninety nine percent of people took Spanish, and I was one of the nut nut jobs that took French. I took every year of it we could. Took French in college, as well, and I loved it. So any time I go to like French speaking countries, I, I nerd out on like the challenge and opportunity of like how much you know because I'm weird and I remember a bunch of stuff. So like being able to access all that vocabulary in my head is just really fun. So. Like being in like being in France, obviously, but even being in like northern uh, northern Africa was really fun, um, or being in Haiti was really fun because I can like summon all that French to the surface. So, I like all that stuff. I have two places: Santorini, the Greek island. Uh. I just I love the ambiance, the caldera, the hiking. It's just beautiful, and I like the food, and um the culture. And the other one is Northern Italy. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time there and I've been all over the world, but I, I like going there. I speak Italian. You know, I like to, uh-huh. as like Adrian, I like to go in there and play with it, get, you know, look at the world from that perspective. And uh-huh. it's a very idiosyncratic culture, which I love. Uh, so those are the things, those are the two places I love. I've been yeah. all over the world and I like, I just, I like going, I like, foreign countries i like to go to different cultures me too we're also uh, can we talk about this yet we're also having a we can cut this if we can if we don't want to talk about it yet but we're also having hosting a very exclusive training we're doing in northern italy towards the end of the year yeah uh-huh. and, uh in it's going to be on lake garda in one of the it's considered the resort there i think it's called the hay it's the and it's one of the top resorts in the world in the top 50 resorts in the world it's beautiful it's right on lake garda and we're looking forward to that that'll be three but that's not why you'd be coming you'd be coming for top class training uh-huh. Top uh-huh. training and rubbing shoulders with, with some, some of the most badass founders in the world that's yep. for doggone sure we've got that yep stuff. yeah right on all right gentlemen thank you so much love you both awesome thanks buddy ciao bye everybody Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.